Okay. Um, Donnie Frank, what's the science? I'm just going to do some little short before I head off to work. <clears throat> like, uh, so, and this is old news. I'm not breaking news. I never break news. I just hear different things and like to give my little spiel on it. So, not too long ago, either the current writer or former writer of Iron Man comic books, he said, uh, you know, that there might be a great possibility or that he predicts that in the future, you know, the giant companies, you know, um, Disney and Warner Brothers, Disney owns Marvel Comics and Warner Brothers owns DC Comics. So he's predicting that, you know, in the future, they will just dissolve the comic book companies. They'll keep the properties. They'll make the movies. They'll make the cartoons. They'll make the video games. But the comic side will just be dissolved. And why does he say this? Um, he points to uh, low sales figures. And we can talk about what's that, you know. The reason behind that. But. But the prices of comics are steady rising. So he's like. I'm paraphrasing. I can't tell you the exact quote. I don't remember it. I'm not going to look it up. Um, basically he said. Once comic books. You know for a floppy. That's 22, 24 pages. Once you have to pay $7 for that. You know. Then. Comic books are dead. Because then, if I have to pay $7, I pay $7 for Hulu, for Netflix. And I can watch the heroes on the TV shows and the movies, you know, things of that nature. So, why would I buy a comic book? And I get that. And I can see why Disney or Warner Brothers, excuse the traffic outside, why Disney or Warner Brothers would, want, would dissolve those companies. But me personally, I think... The fall of Marvel and DC. Me as a comic book creator. You know. And I love those characters. I love Batman. Superman. Spider-Man. I don't read those books. I don't buy those books anymore. I, I solely you know. Partake in those characters. And other mediums. You know. But. I think the fall of Marvel and DC. Would probably be the greatest thing. To ever happen in comic books. You know, because it's like Marvel and DC, along with Diamond Distribution, have become like this holy trinity of like gatekeeping. Especially versus, you know, the independents out there. And you got all the arguments for diversity in comics, for why comics aren't selling, for why young people aren't interested in comics. And it's just, me personally, as I view it, I see it as poor decision making or just poor treatment of the industry by you know these major companies because why did I get out of comics why did I get out of because I was a Marvels guy you know I didn't really buy DC 
Even though I love those characters. I grew up with those characters in cartoons. And I have on Batman and Superman comics. And I know all the mythos. But when it came to purchasing comics, I was a Marvel guy. Namely, X-Men. Why did I drop out? It's because of the events. It's like you had all these events, these big events. And he spanned through all these multiple titles and issues. And it's like, give me an event. Make it 12 issues. And contain the event in those 12 issues. You know, you don't even have to put it under a single title. You could do an X-Men event that's separate from, the, you know, the monthly X-Men title. Do this event. Give me anywhere from 4 to 12 issues. And I can buy that and contain it. But I don't want to dip into other titles and artists and creators and writers that I don't even want to subscribe to just to keep up with an event. That's why I dropped out of Marvel. You know, because then they started milking the events and you had two... You went from one big summer event a year to like two, three, four events a year to it was just like all events and all the events are spanning all the titles. So basically, if you want to keep up with an event in Marvel Comics... You got to buy every single Marvel title. They was just milking it, you know. That's just bad business. Give your, give your customers a nice, clean product that, you know, that we can buy. Another reason is, uh, I think the floppy comic book should sort of be, you know, it should be allowed to die out. I think uh, those single issues, those formats, you move to you know completely to digital and where do you make your hardcover sales you make your hardcover sales with the graphic novels and the trades and because the younger generation the people that are the younger kids that are getting into comics they're getting into manga that's the format that they like you know they don't want to pay that to pay that you know five dollars for 24 pages they can pay seven eight dollars and you get 200 pages you know of your favorite manga naruto or something like that you know so why why doesn't the comic book industry making that adjustments you know making that adjustment and focusing on trade development and then you can have several editions you know, you can have the standard paper, you know, soft cover, and then you can have hard cover. And the incentive for buying the trades will be stocking the trades with, like, extra content, you know, written interviews with artists, uh, sketch examples, you know, the making of sort of deal, you know, exclusive sketches. Uh, you can bring back, you know, the letter sections of comics and just put that exclusively in trades so that people can write in letters and they can buy a trade edition and find their letter in there. You can do fan art and have people, you know, put in fan art and they can get to buy a trade and see their, you know, fan art at the back of the trade. You know, via contest. You're not going to put everybody's art back there. But it's just a lot of incentives, you know, that you can put into a trade that'll have people buying it you know, so I don't think if Marvel and DC, if the comic book companies, 
I mean, Marvel and DC aren't going anywhere, but the comic side of things, you know, if uh, you know, if, if they disappear, it'll be like you know how it is on the streets. If you got like a a kingpin or a high level mobster, you know, or a cartel leader, if if they take him out. You create a void. It's like a power vacuum. Someone has to fill that void. So when you do that, I think it, it'll just really open up the market, you know, to a lot of independents, people who don't get to shine, people who don't get a chance because they don't fit those standards of Marvel and DC or the people that, you know, run those, run those companies that get to say, you know, who's good enough to do this or that. And you know, but then you might bring up image like all all image does is publish creator own work in the comics, yeah, but they're just publishing you know people who want to step out of marvel and d c basically that's what they went to. I know at some point they were really like picking up new unknown talent, but now they're not, so then you know basically some of the same gatekeepers get to regulate you know through image so it's like if you don't know somebody that knows somebody you're not greasing the right wheels you know greasing the gears i mean you're not getting in like your stuff's not getting looked at so you gotta be a part of the club so basically if the club falls apart that opens it up you know because like i said with diversity like it's a lot of complaining there's no diversity in comics and they're trying to force feed diversity to people, but it's a lot of diversity in comics. It's a lot of you go on the internet and you type in black comic books. You're gonna find hundreds, if not thousands, of different titles. It's just made by people who aren't giving a shot, and it's not bad work. A lot of artwork is good, a lot of the writing is good, but they're just not giving a shot. I don't know for what reason, you know. Why isn't Tuskegee Airs? Why hasn't that been picked up by Image yet? You know. What happened to, you know, the Trail League? That's amazing stuff. Like, why isn't this stuff being picked up? Why isn't it being recognized? You know? That's diversity. That's the diversity we're looking for. You know, and I don't subscribe to it, but I come across the artwork and the comics all the time for the uh, gay and lesbian community. It's all over the internet. You can't go on DeviantArt, you can't go on Pinterest, you can't go on Tumblr without stumbling across these comics. They're everywhere. And there's nothing wrong with that. But why aren't they giving a shot? Why aren't, why aren't they being published? Why aren't they, uh, the, the work they're putting on the internet, why isn't it being published into graphic novels for representation? It's a lot of representation out there. But the people who created a name from representing aren't given shots to actually represent. So when you got Marvel and DC like force feeding diversity and representation, it's it's fake. It's not real representation. You know? And they try to say, okay, we'll put somebody from that background behind the book. And a lot of times it's somebody who has no leg in comics. You know, they're just fresh in, they're a newbie, they didn't earn their stripes, they don't know history of the characters, they don't know the history of the companies, you know. 
They're just coming in. They're trying to fit the bill for diversity. And it's ruining the industry. A lot of people say it is, you know. I mean, because, you know, comic books, the industry has always has its little dips and falls. And this isn't the first time it seemed like the industry was doomed. It won't be the last time, but I don't think it's doomed. I think there are some innovations around the corner. And just, you know. But the industry has to answer to itself. And people have to realize how they're running the industry. They're running it ragged. You know, you got to give customers what they want. And there are customers who want diversity. But maybe they don't... Because, like... Okay, you try to force-feed diversity through Marvel. But the majority of people that buy Marvel aren't the folks that are crying for diversity. The same folks that cry for diversity in comics don't buy those comics. You know, maybe no, maybe nobody wants to see gay Spider-Man. But that doesn't mean you can't make a gay character super or another superhero that people can buy into. You know, like when... They made Miles Morales, so they made Spider-Man black, so to speak. You know, like... I like the character of Miles Morales. But it seemed... For me, it seemed temporary. It seemed like a cash grab. It seemed very uh, disingenuous. Because if you wanted to make... You know, if you wanted to really tackle that, you would make an original character all his own. You wouldn't just make, you know, swap the gender or the race of a character. It's, it's very disingenuous. You know, give me a character with his own identity, his own power set, his own origin, you know. I'm just swapping, you know, a different color character for Spider-Man, even though he has a little origin. You know, they did, a, they did good work with that character. You know, and they do good work with some of them. It's just, it's hard to swallow. And then you also know that eventually the original character is going to come back. Spider-Man died. Miles Morales took over. I know that's temporary. You know, it seems like, so that makes it feel very gimmicky. I know Peter Parker is coming back. Peter Parker is just as eternal as Hercules, you know, just as Superman or Batman. These characters aren't going anywhere. And, you know, and people come back to these characters because the formula sticks, you know. But if you want a new formula, make a new character. That's why we have creators to make new characters. If you're Marvel Comics and you can't get people to buy into superhero comics, then make a sub-company, you know. Like, in the 90s, they did Malibu and they had these different characters, you know. They were superheroes, but, you know, you know, do a subdivision, give it a different name. You still own it. It's like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola owns Sprite, you know, and you would never think about it, save for the logo on the back of, you know, the Sprite bottle. If anybody dares to read the back of the Sprite bottle, you know, squirt and things. You know, Coca-Cola owns You'd be surprised, the you know, the brand of soda pop, different flavor, different design, different promotion. You would think it's a whole different company, but it's owned by Coca-Cola. Mark would do the same thing with comics. 
and you know, and not saying push diversity that way, but the same people who want diversity in character, they want diversity in types of character. Like, I don't really care. There's some great superhero stories. I love all the movies, but I'm almost superheroed out. And maybe this younger generation that's coming up that we're trying to get them into comics, they're not, you know, I don't think... They do like superheroes, but they're not married to the idea of superheroes, you know. They're, they're willing to take heroes in all shapes, forms, and fashions, you know. So it doesn't have to be a superhero. I mean, essentially by nature, a hero is a superhero because it's, it's someone that does what no one else can do. But it could be a character with no powers. It can be a normal character. Batman is an ordinary man, you know. Or James Bond. You could say James Bond is a superhero, you know. But maybe I want a James Bond type story. And also, we got to make comics for kids. Every, If you're Marvel Comics, every Marvel character that can hold his own book. Because you have to speak to, you know, the mature crowd also. But to get in new readers, you have to have a kid's version of that book. I believe so. And... It only makes sense to tie in that version of the book to whatever animated series you have out at the time. So, like, they just put out a new Spider-Man animated series. You know, expand on that. Expand on the specific mythos you're given through that cartoon through comics. You've done it before. I don't see why it can't be repurposed now. You know. So basically, this is me saying, I can't wait till Marvel and DC <laughs> fall apart <laughs> to open the door for myself. No, not really. I know people have to, I don't want anybody to fall apart. I wish the best for those companies. I just want them to get it together and bring comics back to a place where it is open for new people to come in. People who really love comics. Love the industry, love the mythos of all the characters and everything that's around them. Love the history of the industry, you know. And in a lot of ways, comics has been racist and sexist. But it's kind of dealt with that on its own terms, you know. It was really a sign of the times. And comics is, I think it's the one medium that's very progressive. And like dealing with those situations... And then even in some stories, like, addressing those situations. And I think it's it's trying to uh, attempt to do that now and again, but in such a forceful way that it seems very disingenuous and toxic. And it seems very, like, almost like propaganda. Even though Marvel did do a lot of propaganda, anti-Nazi propaganda, anti-Japanese propaganda, you know, during the time of World War Two, you know, and that was the rise of uh, Captain America, you know, and they had a lot of like racist imagery of like uh, Japanese characters in those comics, and you know, German Nazi characters in those comics. It was very, it was very much propaganda, <laughs> and now they're doing more propaganda under the guise of. Uh, you know, diversity or inequality. That's not the way you do it. That's not educating people. 
you know, because a large amount of our population in America, we are ignorant to the issues of other people, but that's where education comes in. But it's different if I just tell you you have to believe things because I believe them and that you're wrong and you're whatever. That's not education. Well, I can rant on this forever. I'm not going to, you know, those are some of my thoughts. I will continue this discussion further after I flesh it out a little bit more. But I just had to get this off my chest real quick, you know. As I strive to make my own comics, my comic, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a black guy. I'm making a comic right now with a female lead in the all-black cast of characters. There's some diversity. Hire me. <laughs> you know, but as I design my characters, as I shape the world, it's just all about the human experience. You know, I've designed these characters. I want white kids and Asian kids and straight and gay whatever I want you to be able to read my book and relate to my characters you know the fact that I made all my characters black that was for me and no one else has to read that this is not a black book but just like I could read a book featuring King Arthur and you know the Knights of the Round Table if someone was to be like that's a fictional story but if you're trying to make it a little bit historically accurate, you know, there's probably no black people in that story. But if you can write very humanistic characters, me as a black man, I'll still be able to relate to those characters. You know, I love the movie Akira so much and that, and that book so much. And, you know, it was about the future, you know, futuristic Japan, and you had these biker gangs in Japan, Japanese biker gangs, and I'm black, I don't know any black biker gangs, but just the human qualities of those characters, you know, they were very much in the slums, in the ghetto, and, you know, in their setting, in their environment, you know, Kaneda and Tetsuo grew up in the ghetto of Neo-Tokyo, and 3032 and you know and they portray that in a very human way so when I saw that on TV for the first time like Akira was like probably the first anime I saw like full fledged anime not cause you seen you know like Transformers and Voltron and Thundercats was sort of anime but it was like marketed it to us disguised as American you know so Akira was probably the first like full fledged you know, waving the Japanese flag anime that I've ever seen. And just the way they portrayed all those characters in such a human way. You kind of forgot. They're like, oh, these are Japanese characters. You know, I just saw them for who they were. And that's how I tailor my characters. And that's how we should all tailor characters, you know. And I know it's important for people to see characters that look like them to increase the affect of relatability. You know, but we can't forget about the inequalities, the you know, the humanistic properties of characters, you know. And yeah, I, I man, I'm about to go into the <laughs> other talks that I wanted to go into, but I don't have time, I gotta get ready for work. Uh thank you guys for listening, thanks for tuning in. I'll touch back on this subject in the near future. Peace.